everybody. Mackenzie here. Welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. And we are excitedly diving back into a composer that we haven't talked about since season one. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. Eh? It's been a hot minute. And joining me on this re-entrance uh, of canon is the wonderful, the incredible, the director extraordinaire, the Canadian B. Arthur, the John Adams of Canadian theater. Mm, I will not relate any characters from this musical to us because each situation is doomed. So, no. Yeah. And there's only two. So And there's only two. So. The 50-50 pick. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's Autumn Smith. Hello, Autumn. Oh, hello, 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 everybody. So, Autumn, today we are jumping back into the canon of Jason Robert Brown, a man who we haven't really touched since our season one highlight episode, Parade. Mm-hmm. A much, much better musical. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I, I mean, I will say, compared to this musical, Parade is definitely my favorite. Yeah, but this is this is a really different musical, and he's playing with form. And, yeah. Uh, I think he's going I, full Sondheim. He, he does, but uh, like it, it, musically as well, he goes full Sondheim. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really interesting that mm. he he picks it up in this musical called The Last Five Years. That's right. The Last Five Years, I'm yes. Still Hurting. That shook's the goddess. Very witty, though. Very witty. Very witty. Very, so, very witty. I'm surprised it's not on your lawn cutting list. It isn't. I mean, we'll get into this about my experiences with this show, which are surprisingly not as in-depth as other entries. Like our last episode, Music Man, where I literally had nine plus pages of notes. This time, I'm like three and a half. <laughs> We're just ripping. We're ripping yeah. on it here. Yeah, exactly. But Autumn, you chose this one. And, and it's for a very special reason. So, Autumn, why did you choose it? Well, I'm directing it right now. So I guess it's a bit of a shameless promotion. <laughs> shameless promotion. It promotion. It was one where where we had where there was another episode that or musical that was supposed to be in this slot, and Autumn just went, "I don't know that one well enough." So I was like, "Well, do you want to last five years since you're living in it right now?" And she was like. Yes, and I'm let's like, do I, that. I can speak with a, a modicum of knowledge on this one. Exactly. This point, which is great. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I did choose it. I am working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in Huntsville, Ontario, we're doing mm-hmm. 
a nice uh, little production of it at the Algonquin Theater at nice. the end of February, beginning of March. Mm-hmm. If you're in town, not you. We will post town. the link to where to buy tickets on our on our Facebook page, so people can mm. go and check it out there. This is the uh, first time I've known you to do a musical. What? Like you're not a lot of ki- uh, like the children's opera stuff, mm-hmm. but this is the first time I've known you to do like a full on like proper proper musical. It's uh, this is like the first like first one in a long time that yeah. it, like yeah. with adults. But back to the last five. So you're directing it. How did you come to the show? I, 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 were you approached it? Like did they say, "Hey, we want you to direct the last five years," or is this one that you? Pitch them yeah. being like, this is a musical that's been no, on my bucket list no. to direct. No, I was solicited. Oh, look at you. Offer only. Offer only. <laughs> Come on out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, a performing uh, performing arts space in, in Huntsville. She is mm-hmm. a independent producer. Love it. Who used to do a lot of film, but uh, trained as a musical theater artist. So is, is coming back to that and nice. is doing a great job. and. The man who's playing Jamie uh, is um, an American who Ooh. is got married and moved here. So now wants to work as well. So we've just kind of created something that'll keep us working. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then like, what did you know about last five years? Like, like, how did you come to the actual musical last five years? Like, was this one that you knew about or is this one that was kind of off your periphery because obviously you knew songs of a new world in parade well i didn't know parade until we did parade oh that's right? true that's true but i i've known songs for a new world for a very long time i mm-hmm. i love it i yeah you know and then i think i just i like i often go into i used to go into song and script all the time and buy cds and mm-hmm. this is one of the ones i bought and i mm-hmm. i enjoyed it so yeah and I have it on uh, different streaming services. And and then did you see the movie version that was done with Anna no. Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan? No, no I did not. Ooh. Because I don't, I, 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 d- I didn't want to see it mm. when I was directing it. True. Yes. Good point. I, had yes. My, I have my vision of it. And yep. I, I also, I, it's cinematic. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be lovely to do a cinema version of it? It's a very naturalistic piece. Yeah. And, but no, I haven't seen it. I'll watch it after. Compare yeah, it. I would recommend. I would recommend. Once again, it's a very naturalistic yeah. film. It kind of feels like Dear Evan Hansen, where it's a lot of people singing in kitchens and on couches. Well, this is this production. My production yeah. is a stage split in two. That's, but I don't know how much you can do it. <laughs> they never leave the stage. Yeah, you can't leave the stage. There's only two people. Well, no, you very easily could have one character leave the stage while the other one is singing. Oh, I but guess I you made, made the decision not to do that. I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, they're on stage all the time, and they, yeah, it's a, it's an interest. Yeah, I want you to see it. All right, I'm coming up to see it, Autumn. I will okay. make the pilgrimage up to Huntsville to see it. Yeah, bring your family. Okay. Them. All right. All right. I will say for me, my experiences with this musical is very limited. After discovering Parade, I kind of was like, oh, what else has Jason Robert Brown, this guy, done? And I was like, okay. So I listened to songs for New World. I listened to this. And I was like, okay. Parade's still my favorite. 
I'll stick with that one. Well, it just has a it, the the narrative line in it. It covers so much. It's like a ragtime, right? Huge. It's it's it, an epic. It's, it's an epic musical. epic storytelling, and yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, finely crafted mm-hmm. um, characters in that. This one is a little bit more autobiographical. I, I yeah. We'll get. I'm sure you'll get into that. Oh, Autumn, I have all the I I have all the gossip. Mm-hmm. That makes it autobiographical. It's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's him working through some stuff. It right? is. It clearly is. Which is interesting because the piece he, you know, he's very self-deprecating. Yes, in he the, is in in uh, portraying Jamie the way he is portrayed in this piece, which I find very interesting. Yeah, we'll get into that. I have notes yeah. about that moment. Yeah, uh, about some of those moments there. But yeah, I mean, like, so I listened to it. It was kind of there in the background. It was like, yeah, you also wrote that one. But oh, yeah. then, like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I did see the film version when it came out because mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, oh, Anna Kendrick, Jeremy Jordan, oh, look, people who can actually sing in a musical movie mm-hmm. ain't that a rarity. Uh, and yeah. they both sing really well. And I mean, for the most part, they, this director who also did uh, P.S. I Love You, which is one of my guilty pleasure films with Gerard Butler and Hilary Swank. What is this movie? Have you never seen P.S. I Love You? Oh, is it a musical? No, 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 no. It's, 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 it's a romantic dramedy. Um, romantic dramedy. Yeah, it's like a dramatic You heard it here first. Yeah. It's like Marry Me, that new yes. one with J-Lo and Owen Wilson. Yeah, I would say probably a little more serious. It's The whole premise is Hilary Swink and, Ger- and uh, Ger- Gerard Butler are a married couple, and then he gets, I think it's brain cancer, and dies. Oh, God. Yeah, so- and that's all in like the first 20 minutes. And then basically, she's depressed, obviously, in the in the con- in the place. And then one year after he's past, she gets a package. And it turns out he's recorded all these messages to her and these and written all these letters that basically force her out of the house and into like the world. And that sounds like afterlife with uh, Ricky Gervais. Kind of, just a lot more heartfelt. Kathy Bates is in it uh, as the. Uh, have you seen Afterlife? I ha- I think I did once because it came up on like you like P.S. I love you. Watch Afterlife. Devastating. I mm-hmm. watched the trailer for that and I cry. Oh boy, Ricky Gervais is brilliant. He is. He brilliant. is. He is a very um, underrated actor, I'd say. But he's a comedian, and it just it goes to show you that the best actors are comedians. And by well, support. well, I mean comedians have do so much. I mean from the from the understanding rhythm of dialogue to then ultimately, I mean, what's that adage on him about comedy? It's like comedy is just one step with the sad clown, right? It's that it is furtherance. The sad clown, yeah. It's their sad clown, yeah. Exactly, self-effacing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly. But then, yeah, no, P.S. I love you. It's a great little all right mid two thousands romantic comedy drama. That's like. Okay. That it's really good. It's on devastating, devastating, ladies and gentlemen. You and Sarah should watch it. You and Sarah should watch it. It's very hard. All right, we'll see. And also, it's nice to see Hillary Swank in like not a super serious, depressing million dollar baby role, but like in a nice kind of uplifting role. It's because it's all about going through grief and and ultimately kind of ways to pick yourself up afterwards. 
right. it's 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 really interesting. It's really good. Okay. I highly recommend. All it. right. P.S. I love you. P.S. Yeah. I love. Any, anyway, that guy directed it, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. This is why he directed because once again, it's a, it's a better relationship. It's about breakup, right? It, it totally fits in his wheelhouse, oh. and I mean, he, surprisingly, that director does a really good job directing musical musical numbers. I mean, they're kind of basic in the sense of there's not much you can do with them. I mean, it's a lot of couch singing and riding on your bike and walking the streets of New York. But yeah. that being said, he still does a really good job capturing the emotions. But that's what so. the musical is. The musical yeah. is very... Modern. Very, very suburban. It's very... Um, it's very easy. I mean, yeah. it's just, you're gonna act it. If you can't act it, don't do this musical. Yeah, exactly. It's You just need to be in space for an hour and a half. Yep, exactly. Period. Exactly. But yeah, that's my experiences. I've seen the movie, listened to the album, and then I'm coming up to Huntsville to see Autumn's production. Yes. 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 I've yes. seen no production of this, and I am now directing. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. You're going in with a nice blank slate. Yeah. Well, that's how I like it. Exactly. So, Autumn, what is the plot of the last five years? For those of you who oh. don't know the last five years, but know Parade and all the other ones, I'm like, what is this other Jason Robert Brown? Quite simply, Uh it's about two people and a writer, an aspiring Uh writer who becomes a highly successful writer over five years, and his girlfriend who becomes his wife who is an actor. Uh Yeah. And it is about their five years in a relationship. Uh The caveat to the simplicity of that is that she tells her side of the story going from the end of the relationship to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he tells um, the their story uh, from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. So the only time they ever connect on stage or sing really together on stage yeah. is in the middle, which is, and that is the story. That yeah, is the that story. is it. That, that that it is that basic. It's only one person going forward, yep. one person going backward, and it's all about this sadly doomed relationship. Yeah, I mean it's full of love. It, it is full of love. Uh, yeah, we're fighting for exactly. But they're in their twenties. Yes. Uh, they get together in their twenties. We all, you know, we all have that. There. Yeah. In there, mistakes mm-hmm. are made. Yeah. Uh, you you think it's it, and you you fight for it, and yeah. you don't even know who you are in the world, and mm-hmm. what you're fighting for, and they just miss each other. They find yeah. each other in the middle, but they miss each other, and yes. they they don't they don't fully understand um, the relationship thing. Yeah, and they're both at very different points in their career. Yeah, and I think that's hard. I mean. The male character, basically, ha- he has book deals thrown at him. He doesn't even have to work for it, it seems, <laughs> in the play. <laughs> and she is constantly climbing uphill. Like, yeah. climbing the... Literally, in, as said in one of the songs, climbing uphill. Yeah, yeah. climbing uphill. I'm yeah. climbing uphill, I'm climbing uphill. Every day is a new struggle, right? Yeah. So they miss each other. And mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting. It's a, It's a really... It's a great piece to dig into from an actor perspective because you just let people play. Well, once again, this is a piece very uh, Sondheimian where it's all character. 
Yeah, yep, yep. Sondheim is all about writing character. This is clearly Jason Robert Brown flexing his Sondheim muscles, living up to that adage of the modern day Sondheim. Well, yeah, he's he's playing with form. Yeah. With, you know, the two different, you know, mm-hmm. um, backward forward kind of yeah. feel. But he also plays with music beautifully. Like he has mm-hmm. he has a ton of different musical motifs that are present and genres yeah. that pop up. Mm-hmm. Like you have you have Yiddish klezmer, you have yeah. um kind of honky tonk, you have yeah. blues, you have traditional musical theater, you have yeah. Celtic, right? You have yeah. there's a ton of stuff that he jam packs in there because he's he's playing and I mm-hmm. have to I have to value him for that. And you know in the music when there has to be a a switch in intention. Like he gives it yeah. to you. It's all there. Yeah. Well, it's because like Shakespeare, right? Shakespeare gives those intentions. You just have to follow right. the text. You just mm-hmm. have to follow the musical line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's exactly, exactly. So then, Autumn, who do we have for the creative team? Because we've already covered Jason Robert Brown in our parade episode. I know. Well, let me just let's do a let's do just a little uh, recap on JRB. Uh, because, you know, we haven't touched on him since Parade. So Jason Robert Brown, uh, contemporary musical theater composer, awesome, awesomeness. Songs for a New World, of course, Parade. Then uh, last five years, he also wrote Urban Cowboy, 13, Bridges of Madison County, Honeymoon in Vegas and Mr. Saturday Night. He also has a ton of solo albums, wearing someone else's clothes. How do we react and how do we recover coming from inside the house? And he's also written like uh, the Hanukkah suite. (laughs) So uh, he he took uh, traditional Hebrew songs and fused them with up-tempo rock and roll rhythms. Um, and Leonard Bernstein inspired chordal flavors. Love that. He, like, he loves playing with music. He, like, because Ariana Grande was in 13. Yes. He also does some stuff with her. Mm-hmm. Like, he wrote the Waverly Gallery, which was a play by Kenneth Lonner- Lonergan. Uh, he did um, vocal arrangements for a new brain, and he did the trumpet of the swan, which um, he composed and conducted uh, by Marsha Norman. So who we talked about in what episode, Autumn? Come to my garden. Mm-hmm. Love Marsha Norman. Yes. Uh, and then the only other person I really have is the original director, which, of course, mm-hmm. is the wonderful Daisy Prince. Yes, who we mentioned ever so briefly in Parade, because she That's was on right. the recommended Jason Robert Brown to her father, who was who, Autumn? Hal um, Prince. That's Carol right. Harold Prince. Yes, that's right. Bless, bless. But uh, so Daisy's work includes Last Five Years, Songs for a New World. Mm-hmm. It's Only Life, the songs of John Puccino. 
Also did Pentimento with Jessica Malaski and Frank McCourt. She did, she does a lot of concert work. She did the NYSF Public Theater, Public Sings 2012, Jazz at Lincoln Center's American Songbook. She does stuff at Carnegie Hall at Joe's Pub. And as a performer, she did uh, Merrily We Roll Along, the original Broadway cast. Ah, she was one of the young ones. She, her, her and Jason Alexander. And her daddy just said, yeah, I'll put you in this. You're a kid. Let's do it. <laughs> she was in Follies in Concert at the Lincoln Center, Pal Joey at Encore. And her film credits include three Woody Allen films. Everyone says, I love you, Deconstructing Harry and Celebrity. Jeez. She also has produced three plays with Bonnie Metzger. And Talia Field um, uh, da, 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 at uh, the back of downtown. She's a graduate of Brown's University and a member of the New York faculty of Syracuse University's the Tepper semester in NYC. Um, upcoming projects include the original musical The Connector with Jason Robert Brown and Jonathan Mark Sherman. So clearly her and JRB have formed a very strong partnership where they do a lot of work together. Yeah. Yeah. That's Perfect. All right. Wow. And now me. Do you want me to do my Broadway recipe? <laughs> sure, Adam. This I'm seems kidding. like the perfect time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ha ha. That's if you do want Autumn's full biography, listen to our episode one where Autumn gave her full backstory. Well, that's so long ago. So, well, so we just turned it out. Well, well, I mean, we did, I mean, we did release a remastered version over our hiatus. So, if you yeah. are wanting to hear the nicer audio version, you should check that one out. Yes, it's there it's somewhere. There. Yeah. Somewhere. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's the creative team. Now, production histoire, my friend. We oui, we. Oui. Yeah. So, this production history, I have is quite minimal compared to our last episode of Music Room, where I summarized an entire book. <laughs> this time, it's literally a few paragraphs, so enjoy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this musical is inspired by Brown's failed marriage to Teresa O'Neill. These two met in the early 90s while she was answering phones in director Hal Prince's office. Brown and Prince had been meeting as Prince uh, mentored Brown as they crafted Parade. According to friends, the marriage unraveled quickly and acrimoniously, mainly due to the changing dynamics of Brown's moving ahead in theater circles after Prince anointed him the next Stephen Sondheim. It was during the divorce proceedings that Brown was working on this musical the last five years. O'Neill knew that this was happening, and this made her add a clause into their divorce that stipulated that Brown had to agree to use his best efforts to have the two-character musical project at his working that, that, that he's working on not be identified as a work based upon the party's marriage. And he will not create any other character that can be identified as O'Neill. So, so Jason Robert Brown agreed to that. And that's he set about writing. When it came to the writing piece, writing this piece, Brown wanted to write a piece that was vastly different from the sprawling epic that was Parade. 
He had spent four years writing it, only to have it close in three months. So he was a bit like, I gotta shake it up. I gotta do something else. So to differentiate this piece, he first confined himself to having a small cast, ideally only two performers. So the piece could be performed anywhere from a cabaret stage to a Broadway house. And his other uh, self-stipulation was that he wanted the songs to have a feeling like one completing a piece that told the entire musical moment without relying heavily on dialogue or a book writer. So. Success. uh, Yeah, exactly. When it came to the topic, he easily hit upon the concept of a man and a woman sharing the stage and telling the story of their relationship. So, So that way, the songs could either be a duet or a solo or could be isolated and self-contained. Uh, as he began to chart out the plot points, he quickly realized the reason for these two individuals to be telling their story had to be because the relationship had floundered. And the next issue was how to counteract the issue of this musical becoming a about a doomed romance and then, and then having to avoid having a second half that was just all about depressing breakup songs. Mm-hmm. So, Brown's solution was to have a musical that told the, the, the story from two separate perspectives. Having the male begin the show at the start of the relationship, and having the female character start at the end of the relationship, and work backwards. Uh, with the only meeting point being in the middle at the wedding. Brown claims that he crafted this new piece, that when he started crafting this new piece, he wasn't intending to have this piece overlap and reflect upon his own bitter and sad divorce he was experiencing. The first song he tackled, without fully understanding who the characters were, was Goodbye Until Tomorrow. I could never rescue you. I called Elise to help me pack my bags. I went downtown and closed the bank account. It's not about another shrink. It's not about another compromise. hurting here I don't know what the hell is left to do You never saw how far the crack had opened You never knew I had run out of rope And I could never rescue you This piece remained in the show and has been largely unchanged from its first iteration when he wrote it on June the 15th, 1999. Oh, my parents' anniversary. Oh, there you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brown wrote the piece working from either end of the show with his last song being the wedding song. This didn't end up being his last song and we'll explain more of that in a minute. Uh, Brown has reflected and acknowledged that during this writing process, it did become 
therapeutic for him and allowed him to heal from his divorce. Uh, he admitted that the characteristics of both him and O'Neill's personalities did ultimately work their way into Jamie and Kathy. Brown worked diligently to have both his lyrics and music be stripped down to their bare essences and not to lean into the overly showy style of, of, of a big Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brown was uh, has now often deemed this piece his first grown-up show. Right? Really? I know. Which is weird, because Parade is very grown-up. Very grown-up. And Songs for a New World, I would say, is pretty grown-up. Yeah. Either way. Uh, so the musical premiered in Chicago at the North Lake Theater in Skokie, Illinois. It ran from May 23rd, uh, 2001, to July 1st, 2001. The production starred Lauren Kennedy as Kathy and Norbert Leo Butts as Jamie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brown then pitched the show to Thomas Cott at Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center announced it would produce the show in New York, but then dropped it after O'Neill's lawyers told the theater in a letter that they believed the play, as produced recently in Chicago, violated the agreement of the parties. Uh, Marty Bell and Ariel Tep- Tepper picked up the option on the show and immediately found themselves embroiled in litigation. Brown sued O'Neill for interfering with the last five years, and O'Neill countersued Brown, as well as Bell and Tepper. Uh, as part of the legal settlement for both suits, Brown removed all references to the character being Irish Catholic and changed the song I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You to Shiks a Goddess. If you had a tattoo, that wouldn't matter. If you had a shaved head, that'd be cool. If you came from Spain or Japan or the back of a van, just as long as you're not from Hebrew school, I'd say now I'm getting somewhere. I'm finally breaking through. I'd say, hey, hey, shiks, a goddess. I've been waiting for someone. in order to reduce the similarities between the character of Kathy and O'Neill. Can I say something? Yes. I would just like to say I'm siding with Jason Robert Brown on this one because that's his creative entity. If he wants to spill, if he doesn't call Kathy by O'Neill's first name, who cares? He can make it about anybody. Yeah, but yeah, but when he started writing this piece, that stipulation was already in the agreement of Yeah, well it was still sign it. Don't Amazing I, I, how I, I don't make this up. I mean, I get that. I mean nobody wants to see their life played out on series that didn't agree to having their life and their most probably most difficult time at that moment played out on stage. Like I don't I wouldn't want my divorce and my relationship played out on stage. I mean, oh, the last thing I would want to see. Guess what? It's not your choice. It's it's not. It's you write it. Then you write a counterpiece. <laughs> like you can't you can't censor someone's journey like that. And it's just it. That's a little too bitter for me. I'm sorry. That's a. You know what? Get over it. Go still hurt somebody somewhere else. Sorry. What I love about Jason Robert Brown is that Kathy wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Kathy's hurting, but he acknowledges it and he she moves on, like, because yeah. that's the adult thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I hate to be that blunt about it, 
<laughs> but I've been here and creative property is creative property. You do mm-hmm. not own someone else's brain or if they're not slandering you outright, you don't get a say. Sorry. Well, I mean, O'Neill took him to court. so she could, she could find characters in all of his musicals and take him to court and say, this little bit reminds, reminds me of me and ugh. It's just a pissy argument. Yeah, but it sounds like, I mean, so there's other stuff that he had to take out of the show. So, for example, Kathy in in the early script was was nicknamed Angel, which was a nickname that Brown had given to O'Neill. So, like, once again, clearly they were very strong. I mean, why did he have to make Kathy Irish Catholic? Why did he have to name her Angel? Right? Like, why did he choose those things? Well, because he's writing. From his perspective. He is, but he also signed the agreement of, I will not blatantly just therapize our relationship uh, in the musical. And he broke that agreement. Everyone does this. Everyone does it. I know. So, she needs to let it go. I'm sorry, (laughs) but write your own musical. That's my suggestion to her. Write a counter musical. <laughs> oh, wait, can you? I don't know. Mm, maybe therein lies the rub. Mm. Well, either way, so Brown took out the references to Kathy being called Angel, and O'Neill read the revised script and signed off on the changes. Brown also agreed to pick up O'Neill's legal fees up to $55,000 with monthly installments of $10,000. Producers Bell and Tepper also had to guarantee the payments. The, the dispute was ultimately resolved on February the 7th, just as the last five years is about to ha- begin previews in New York. Yeah. I have a lot of empathy, Mackenzie Horner. I but do. When you when you start to mess with someone's creativity, that's where I draw the line. That is fair. It's called censorship. And it's a... I, listen, I agree with you, but I also go, Mr. Brown did sign a document that said he would I know. not well, do this. And he blatantly did it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the show opened in New York uh, off-Broadway at the Manette Theater on March the 2nd, 2002, with Daisy Prince, as we said, daughter of Hal Prince, directing. Norbert Leo Butts returned as Jamie, and this time, Kathy was played by Sherry Renee Scott, as Lauren Kennedy had a previous commitment with a role in South Pacific in London. Mm -hmm. The production received mixed reviews and closed on May the 5th, 2002. The production, though, won the 2002 Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Music and Lyrics, as well as receiving Drama Desk nominations for Outstanding Musical, Outstanding Actor, Outstanding Actress, Outstanding Orchestrations, Outstanding Set Design. It also received the Lucille uh, Lortel Award nomination for Outstanding Musical and Outstanding Actor, and the Utter Critics Circle Award nomination for Outstanding Off-Broadway Musical. So, there you go. The show made its Asian premiere in Hong Kong at the Fringe Festival in 2006. The production was then mounted again off-Broadway in 2013 at the Second Stage Theater for a limited engagement with Adam Kandor and Betsy Wolf in the roles of Jamie and Kathy. 
This revival also notably had Brown himself directing the piece. The show uh, uh, then also premiered in Paris in 2013. And premieres in Ireland, Sweden, and Switzerland also occurred between 2013 and 2019. On September the 12th, 2016, Jason Robert Brown, along with Subculture Organization, presented a one-night-only benefit for the Brady Center to prevent gun violence. The town hall in New York City hosted this event. Cynthia Arrivo, who will be playing Alphaba in Wicked, the film, played Kathy, and Joshua Henry played Jamie. Jason Robert Brown conducted the orchestra. Okay. Here's a fun one for you. In 2019, the musical was directed by Seinfeld actor Jason Alexander. In a production in Syracuse, New York, Alexander introduced two dancers who shadowed the characters of Jamie and Kathy. Reviewer Linda Lowen wrote, with with approval of Brown, Alexander's vision has resulted in a production more interactive, more compelling, more visual, and more suited to those 20-something millennials who, like Jamie and Kathy, grapple with love, career, independence, and commitment. So clearly the dancers worked. No, no. And Brown approved them. So. No. Great. I'm glad. But Jason Alexander, please just stick to acting. That sounds like the worst idea. I'm sorry. I'd have to see it, obviously. I'm not going to make a judgment, but no, that is a no. <laughs> he actually directs a lot. It's so, it's so naturalistic. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I have a puppet in one of my scenes. But it's with great purpose. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine people dancing around. I don't know. I think he could do it. I mean, don't forget, he trained with Jerome Robbins and won the Tony Award uh, for working with Jerome Robbins. So, I mean, Jason Alexander is also a big theater guy. Like, he's a Tony-winning actor. So, I, think, oh, I, I don't know. know. I think he could do it. I know Jason Alexander is a big-time theater person, but I don't... This is a no. It's too naturalistic. That just complicates it. I just have visions of a very bad device theater piece. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would love to have seen it just to see what it was because I think it could have been interesting well, for sure. I don't know how that would relate to millennials. I don't know. Do we need to, do, do we need to spoon feed them? Here, this is happening all the time. If that is a show and tell, not an inviting. Mm. I don't like it. I don't like it, Jason Alexander. <laughs> I love you, George Costanza, but no. Yes. Yes. No. Uh, there we go. Uh, and then an actor musician production opened in the West End in February 2020 to mixed reviews. The show did transfer to the Garrick Theater for a four and a half week run. This time the cast was Jonathan Bailey as Jamie and Lemis Eponine, Samantha Barks as Kathy. And you know what Jonathan Bailey is in? What? Bridgerton. He is? Mm-hmm. He plays the brother. Is, uh, is that him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. And the whole go. next Bridgerton season is about him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's that brother. Okay. Yeah, he's fabulous. He can sing, man. That guy can sing. Well, then they'll have to have like a Bridgerton musical episode. You know? I mean, like, if you got Julie Andrews narrating, I'm sure she could sing some... Okay, anyway, back on track. Uh, so then in April 2021, 
A stream production was shown uh, and staged by the Out of the Box Theatrics. The staging was unique as it took place entirely in an actual New York apartment. The production starred Nicholas Edwards as Jamie, Nasia as Thomas as Kathy, and was directed by Jason Michael Webb. <laughs> then Brown, Norbert Leo Butts, and Lauren Kennedy staged a virtual reunion performance with Brown accompanying the performers. And this went up on YouTube in May of 2021. Hmm. And of course, the last big note we have is there is a film version starring Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan, directed by the P.S. I Love You director, Richard LaGravesy. The film premiered at the 2014 Toronto International Film Festival and had a limited release in theaters in 2015. The film received mixed to positive reviews. Both Kendrick and Jordan received praise for their performances, and many critics have cited this as Kendrick's best performance of her career. The film is currently rated 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's it for production history. Anna, yeah. let's get into our top three songs. What is your number one song? I'm so in it. It's really hard. <laughs> and I, I, I don't. You put yourself in this position. I don't want to be biased, but I'm very biased in this in this show. I'm gonna say, see, I'm smiling. We'll have to try. As it was five years ago I mean you made it to Ohio Who knows where else we can go I think you're really gonna like this show I'm pretty sure it doesn't suck See you're laughing Smiling by a river in Ohio, and you're mine. You're doing fine. Did not make my list. No, didn't make my list. I love it. It's just, it's very, um, it's heartbreaking. It's someone it's heartbreaking. It's, it's someone heartbreaking. really clinging to a lifeboat, being like, it's still working it's still working even though you know well no, honey, the ship is sinking under, uh, from underneath you at this point it's the we're gonna be okay right we're it, we can do yeah. this right mm-hmm. even though she's not convinced that she wants to yeah but she's I, doing it because it's it's what feels right in the moment well yeah it's it's she doesn't realize what she's sacrificing when she's asking yeah. and it's um it's really it's hard because why would you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? Yeah. That's the ultimate tragedy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's also struggling, right? Like mm-hmm. she's also struggling and we can't, we can't use relationships to save ourselves. Yeah. It, because that's not going to make us happy. It's not going to mm-hmm. make the other person happy. Yeah. And ult- ultimately it's not what she wants. I don't think. I think no, well, no. Well, I mean, once again, she talks about it where it's like, see, we're happy, we're smiling, and it's, don't worry, you're here in Ohio to see me performing. It's like, yeah, no. 
I really got to go back. And it's and, and then it all crumbles down, right? It all the facade well, it's, goes. It's the cheated on housewife yeah. narrative, right? Yes, we'll be okay, right? We'll we're gonna be okay. We I, I we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. We have tonight. Yeah. Uh, oh, you have to leave, and then she lets go. Yeah. And she goes, you, you, and nothing but you, marvelous novelist, you. Love that line. It's, it's, and that idea that he can, he can stand there mm-hmm. and see she's crying. Yeah. And they're ju- it's just, it's two people missing each other on completely different tracks. Yeah. And they fell in love with the idea of each other, mm-hmm. not who they really wanted each other to be yeah they couldn't support each other in that Mm -hmm. moment yes and if you cannot fully support your partner yes no matter he doesn't fully he he tries to fully support her but he's still self-obsessed enough to not well it's not even that he just doesn't he doesn't get it like yes he's had it everything handed to him like he's he leaves Colombia and the phone starts ringing. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, "I'll send you my manuscript." Yeah, okay, and then mm-hmm. he, he gets a book deal. And it's like, "Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I've published a book. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll write another book." Yes, yeah. it took effort to write the book. Yes, but he was a kid. Yeah, and she was his muse, and mm-hmm. that brings us to my thought on mythology. It's very myth-based. This musical is very myth-based. It has elements of, um, he mentions, you're my personal Aphrodite. Yeah. And it goes beyond that, though. Like, the way he talks about her when he talks about, Mm -hmm. you know, when he reads Mm -hmm. his book out loud. He has has things like her breast heaving. It's very over-sexualized. And... It's this idea, this Pygmalion idea, mm-hmm. number one. And then he's also Odysseus. Yeah. Because he goes off and he has a life and she is waiting. Mm-hmm. Now that's her choice to wait. So yeah. she is waiting. She is mm-hmm. playing the patient wife. And she keeps saying, I'm waiting. She mentions mm-hmm. waiting a million times. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. So that, it's the Penelope story. Yeah. So I see I'm smiling is very, um, for me, it's just, I find it, I, I find it almost more heartbreaking than uh, I'm still burning. I agree. Well, once again, there's more. Well, once again, the I'm still hurting is the after. The the I'm still hurting is the moment, right? It, it's it's the break, right? It's the moment of she knows. No, she knows. She knows when she comes in. She knows when she finds that letter that it's done. It's just yeah. the nail. It's the nail in the coffin. Yeah. But she already knows, and there's a relief mm-hmm. in knowing. Yeah. There's a relief in the final nail being driven in because you're like, I don't have to wait anymore. It's her end. It's her end of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Now she can move on. Yeah. It's full. I find still hurting hopeful. 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, once again, it's it's like it's like another song I have on my list, which is all about the reaching. Kathy has a lot of songs that are literally running the music to be reaching songs mm-hmm. vocally, that they are reaching to this incomplete motif. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Sure are. Yep. They sure are. Yep. Now, can you guess what my number one is? Shexagonis. No, actually, that didn't make my top three. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. A Summer in Ohio. That's great. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, this is like such a relatable artist song where you're trying to talk yourself up and it's like, yeah, this is great. This is great. Like, my work is great. I mean, I did that all the time in device theater with my parents where it's like, Mac, what are you working on? Oh, we're doing this really cool project that's like about this and that. And, you know, and then my parents come sit there like, ooh. ooh. Do I have to watch that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I mean, and then they like, came in and they're like, oh, we have to that yeah 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 but i mean even like styling all the way back to when i didn't get into the acting conservatory and i'm trying to find the next thing i'm going to go into and talking up whatever that thing was i thought i think i find it was like oh stage combat yes that's the thing i'm going to go into that's the thing i'm going to do it's it's in like spend my life on okay no that didn't work okay device theater okay that's going to be the thing well in summer in ohio is is great because she's anticipating him coming well, like she's yeah. anticipating his arrival and anything is possible. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a woman who's stuck in Ohio having, I, I figured this out. I think she's toured a little bit with this motley crew. She was in Kentucky at a borders in Kentucky. Yes. And, um, she sa- says about finding his book and isn't that yeah. nice? And this mm-hmm. guy named Richard is hitting on her and yeah, she uh, buys his book. But, I'm buying the book. I laid yeah. my visa down. Yeah, exactly. Great, right. it's great. And just the the gay midget named Carl playing Tavia uh, <laughs> and Borgie, like that. Well, yeah, the little person doing that. I mean, that's just so great. And the fact that her as a white woman is playing Anita in the matinee of West Side Story is oh, like, yeah. like, it's like, it's like it, it just so encapsulates creating. what regional yeah. theater really can become, which is. We're holding a show together by tape, working with who we got and what we got, and this is well, it. Well, we decided that her track mm-hmm. was Anita mm-hmm. in the matinee, or yeah. Shark Girl, number five. <laughs> Love it. And uh, Fruma Sarah. 
good choices. Like just these ugly, like that ugly choice, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, which is yeah. the complete antithesis of the audition song. When you come home to me, yes. like it's so sweet and Irving yes. Berlin-esque. And, yeah. And then she gets cast as Anita at the matinee and Fruma Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, but, the song is great also just in the fact that it really captures her desperation of writing this letter to Jamie, trying to make herself feel just as good as he does being successful. Where she's like, my, my, my summer's going great in Ohio. Like, I'm really making this my best summer yet. Even though underneath it's like Camelot. It's like the song Camelot where it's just reaching and reaching and reaching musically for for, so for, funny that you say that. I don't see it that way at all. It's all reaching. The song is all about no. reaching, and it's like that she facade of Camelot. She's creating this facade of a successful summer doing summer stock touring in Ohio. Yeah, playing the matinee Anita, like, and that's Cam- Camelot's all the facade that Arthur's selling her on. I mean, of there's course. no way that the snow magically clears by whatever date, and the leaves magically yeah. fall in piles. But, no, he's, but he's crafting the facade. Yeah. Like, and, and that's there's, exactly what she's doing. It's, it's yeah, great. She's building it up. Yeah. But there's also some irony in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm living with a stripper and her snake named Wayne, right? It's yeah. Like, like she's, she's, she's going, anything is palatable as long yes. as I have you. Yes. As long as there's that to reach for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. This song is about building that building, building, building. Because ultimately, what's the song that comes before? Because it's backwards order, right? So the song that would, if you were going chronologically in her story, what the song that will follow the summer in Ohio is, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. The song you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's, it's your number one, the breakup song. The No, that's, see, I'm smiling. Oh, okay. So it's a song between See I'm Smiling and in the Summer in Ohio? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is my choice number two. Okay, well, what's that song? Part of that. And I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. And it's Right. It's her showing up and being mm-hmm. the good wife. Yeah. And trying to convince herself that this is the role that she's destined to play. Mm-hmm. The ultimate role in life. Yeah. But while she's doing it, she starts to see the flaws and him staring catatonic out the window. Mm-hmm. And then she says, but then he smiles mm-hmm. and lights up the room. So we get, we get in See I'm Smiling you know, her smiling and him laughing. And that smile is usually the thing that's okay, even though it's just a performance. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's something to make my list, but it I is love definitely. It. I love it. Yeah. I well, love well, the tune of it. 
It's beautiful. It is. I I find it a big I want song. Oh, like it's a I huge I want it. song. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I mean, if you think about it, in her track, that would be her third song, right? Yeah. Which is, as you said back in Halloween episode one, the I want song is usually the third song of the show. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's it kind of it subverts that because, mm. yeah, she wants that, but she's also questioning the want of that. Yes, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant to play. It's mm-hmm. brilliant to direct. Mm-hmm. And she's at his book signing, and she's playing the dutiful wife, and he's there, and he's reading, and he's smiling, and she's amazed, but she wants more. It's That's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, the tragedy of this is huge. Mm, it's it's, but it you know, and so many people would say, "Well, this isn't a tragedy," and I'd be like, "But it is." It's a huge tragedy because you know where it's ultimately going to end up for her. It's a human tragedy. It is a human tragedy. Um, they both end up unfulfilled. I think. I don't think he is fulfilled. I think. Oh, I don't think so either. Right. I mean, I, I mean, there's a reason why his eye wanders, and we will get into that um, as well. He's twenty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a reason that people say that people who get married in their late twenties, early thirties, have a more successful marriage uh, statistically than those who get married in their early twenties, and there's a reason for that. They, they're, they, they are not flighty anymore. They know. Mm-hmm. They have some structure. They, you know, they go, oh, okay. I know hopefully who I am. I didn't find out who I was till I was my, in my forties, but that's because so much of who I was, was wrapped up in my relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had my teenager years late. I had everything late. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What's your number two? The next 10 minutes. I do love it. When it's, they come together. It's the most cathartic moment. It's the moment as an audience member where like you've seen these two characters telling this uh, story from opposing points of view and your heart and your and and and, and, and that uh, completionist attitude in your brain of wanting to like complete the Yeah. Your brain's like, oh, do the last thing. Right? And it's and, and, and that's what the next 10 minutes is. The next 10 minutes is that completion where it's like Okay, you're coming together. Okay, we're getting a moment. Okay. Yeah, uh, and, and it tricks you because okay. you buy into their moment and you kind of momentarily forget, oh yeah, her story started with the end. So we know where he's going and like we know where it's ultimately going to drive in. 
it's it's so great and i love how in the music the the orchestra is playing these repetitive chords and the bowing is repetitive it's almost like time throws there's a stopwatch on the timer and it's just holding this moment in time when neither story progresses either way and they're connected yeah. it's the it's the yeah. it's the before the yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, this also feels so Sondheimian in the sense of it's almost like a boy like that and I have a love where the melody is secondary to the lyrics. The lyrics are what are important in this moment because it's their connection. Because the melody isn't all that memorable. It's more what this moment no. is and, and what they're saying to each other and the well, vows I, they're making to each other ultimately don't I get mean, fulfilled. The, the other thing that keeps mm-hmm. bringing me back to the Penelope story Mm-hmm. is the emphasis on time. Yeah. It is all about time structures. Mm-hmm. It is about in the Shmuel song, he gives yes. her the gift of time. What is time? Yeah. Ta- like next 10 minutes, mm-hmm. next 10 lifetimes. Mm-hmm. What is that? Right? Mm-hmm. What is that promise? What is five years? What is, yeah. you know? Um, so time is, time is crucial in this numbers, those like, and the pressure of time on her when he gives her the gift of time, like, Mm -hmm. how do you live up to that as a human being? If someone gave me the gift of time, I'd tell them to piss off. (laughs) Sarah, if you're listening, do not give Autumn the gift of time. I can't manage my own time. Thank you very much. I, now I feel Mm -hmm. beholding to you. Yeah. And that is, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. It's a beautiful, romantic idea. Mm-hmm. It's a great gesture, and I think he means it uh, with the best of intentions. But I yeah. don't think he realizes because of the the privilege that has been bestowed on him mm-hmm. what that is like when you give it to someone. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pressure cooker. It is. It really is. Once again, the next ten minutes, it literally is almost like a time bomb. Like right? if I don't get a gig, if I don't, you know, if I yeah. don't see the deal, if I don't, yeah. you know, God, mm-hmm. go wipe the ashtrays in the bar, keep doing what you're doing and keep mm-hmm. working because that's going to keep you on top of things. Yeah. Go. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, my number two, the next 10 minutes, the only connection point of the, of the show. Yeah, it is a beautiful moment. It I'm is, surprised it did not make your list, Autumn. I was expecting that one to be on your top three. No, it's not. Mm. I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm debating over my third. I don't know what it is. Well, you're up, Autumn. What is number three? If I didn't believe in you. I don't want you to hurt. Hey, hey. I don't want you to sing. But you know what I think? I think you'll be fine. Just hang on and you'll see. But don't make me wait till you do to be happy with you. Will you listen to me? No one can give you courage. No one can thicken your skin. I will not fail so you can be comfortable, Kathy. I will not lose because you can't win. Almost made my list, but I chose another Jamie song. Uh, I like it because 
he's struggling. Yes, he is. He, he wants he mm-hmm. wants her to go. He doesn't want her to go. Mm-hmm. He's 20. This is his 20-year-old. Very, it's very messy. I yeah. find and he says in this song, he says, um, I will not lose so you can win. Yep. And it's he's he's become resentful. Yes. And he, he hates himself for that. He feels mm-hmm. guilty about that. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's an awful song. Well, once again, it, once again, it's the messiness of of of, mm-hmm. of of the final fights when, when like the divorce is happening. This is yeah. when the gloves come off, and the things that are most hurtful are said to inflict the yeah. most pain. But it's not person. even there. It it it's the it's the counterpoint mm-hmm. to a part of that. Yes, and where they're still in the muck and mire of trying to figure out their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and their mm-hmm. marriage, yeah. and she's shutting down because she can't go to another party and watch him flirt with other women. Yeah. And he's tr- putting on a show. He's putting yeah. on the Jamie show. Yeah. Jamie and because he thinks that's going to sell books. And he's 20. And I'm not mm-hmm. making excuses for cheating on your partner, but he's 20. This yes. is why you shouldn't get married in your 20s. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He is the, he, they're the living proof of why relationships yeah. don't work in their twenties because he has no idea who he is. Yeah. Um, she has no idea who he, she really is. Yeah. So. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I just love it. I think it's, and he's, he's trying, but it's sometimes it comes off really bad. Yeah. If I didn't believe in you, um, we'd never be here. Oh, well, thanks. That makes me think <laughs> you didn't believe in me. Yeah. And I think this is Jason Robert Brown exercising all of his demons. And Yes. Well, I, well this feels like a very real fight. These yeah, lines this, feel this very This is a real. soliloquy song. This is yeah. his soliloquy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it. It's very impassioned. And he's, he's, it's messy. It's a messy yeah. fucking, it's a messy fucking musical. Sorry. Yes. I just dropped a lot of F-bombs. No. Yeah, I didn't it. Yeah. do that. <laughs> I, I've I've added in a lot of f bombs in the show because they live in the O moments. Love that. You know me. I know you. I know you very well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had a I had a close fourth though. Ooh. But, let's mm-hmm. see. Let's see. Well, my number three is another Jamie song, which is "Moving Too Fast." I gotta sing you. Things are moving too fast And you say, oh no Step on the brakes, do whatever it takes But stop this train Slow, slow, the light's turning red But I say, no, no Whatever I do, I'll barrel on through And I don't complain No matter what I try I'm flying full speed ahead I know, I'm shocking with this list, aren't I? Yeah, yeah yeah, okay. I like this one because the song captures the foreboding of rushing into this relationship, but also it's such a catchy, bluesy song and it moves at such a speed yeah. that you get swept up in the madness. And it's understandable to see how Jamie kind of overlooks his ill feelings of feeling panicked and rushed and hurried, but he's like, doesn't matter, I'm in love, I'm moving forward. And it's that 20-year-old energy of, 
nope, moving ahead. It's almost, you know what the piano's like? It's almost like the real big news in Parade. That driving piano that just doesn't stop. It's just, but it's bluesy, so it's like you're feeling the high, yeah. It's unrelenting. Yeah, it's so unrelenting. This this show is a very difficult set. Yeah. Because he plays with octaves and Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Oh, this song jumps. This song jumps. And for me, this song is is where I related to Titanic because this is like Titanic in the days before it hit the iceberg. When everything's going along great, Mm. Jamie's riding high, the ship's riding high, you get the warnings of iceberg in your in your path like don't go this direction and they go no we're fine anything anything that could sink our ship we'll see it in time and turn doesn't happen and that's what happens with jamie jamie's got all these little legs that he's picking up of this doesn't feel right i feel this is rushed i'm moving too fast my career is moving too fast and then doesn't matter He, he, he he drives straight into that iceberg well and it's interesting because Again, they they mirror each other. Yeah. I can do better than that. It's like, I'm ca- throwing caution to the wind. Let's move in together. Yeah. And in this, my version, mm-hmm. uh, moving too fast is he's just picked up the lease. Yeah. He's picked up the lease. He has his contract from the, the book agent sitting yeah. there. And he's like, is this real? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jewish tradition, they're superstitious. So Yeah. Superstition, or uh, like, mm-hmm. is this a thing? You can hear mm-hmm. his mother's voice going, "Jamie, be cautious, be cautious, Jamie." Right? Because uh, it it feels a, a lot of good at one time, and we always question mm-hmm. that, right? Well, we're, we're wondering where's the fall, where's the bad thing, where's the anvil that's gonna I fall on my head for the fall. That's right. yes, that's right. Exactly. So yeah, I yeah, that's it's a good song. And it's it's got a, a manic energy to it. So manic. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I, I've had a ton of jolt cola. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. It's got that wild energy, that wild twenty year old manic energy of throw caution to the wind. Let's just ride this wave and see where it takes yeah. us. Yeah. 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 And he has moments in the song where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, once again, once again. It, it, Exactly. Yeah. Once again, it's it, it's that Jimmy Cricket conscience going, mm-hmm. uh-uh, uh-uh, and you're just like, fuck it off, fuck it off. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It is true, it is true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what are your favorite songs? Okay, number one, Nobody Needs to Know. I don't like it because it tips the scale against Jamie. This musical's have done a very good job 
of balancing these two, where neither one of them is perfect. Neither one of them is, is, is ideal in this relationship. They both are flawed humans who unfortunately cannot maintain their marriage in this relationship. This song, though, of Jamie actually cheating and sleeping with another one and waking up beside her and then blaming Kathy turns him into the bad guy, the guy who cheats in this relationship. And for me, I go, pardon? He cheats way before that. He's constantly looking at women. I know. Trust me, we we get into that song too. Uh, But this song is is the moment where Camelot smartly avoided, where, where, where it's Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot. And there was the choice of, do Guinevere and Lancelot sleep together? And the director said, no, they they come close to kissing and they kiss. That's as far as we take them because or else it tips the scales of, of the relationship and makes it so that their character now becomes unredeemable to the audience. This is Jason Robert Brown being self-deprecating and going, I was a dick. Yeah, I know he was. I know he was. But for me, I go, it just moves the character of Jamie too far into almost the irredeemable territory where now makes Kathy look really good because she's the one that was the stoic wife who showed up to all the events and Jamie was the asshole who went and slept with with another woman. It's like, now you've made it really generic. For me, it's, I I don't find it generic. I find it, I find it, uh, it's almost a parable, right? Mm. Like this is a lesson and it's a, it's a gender thing too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a he's reflecting on gender. Mm-hmm. And no, not all guys will do this, but let's let's just call a spade a spade, right? Yeah. It, it's that's it's a gender mm-hmm. thing too. And yeah. he's also being autobiographical, so he's doing some uh, some serious deep dive self-effacing work, possibly. Sure. Sure. Right? P- possibly, absolutely. For me, I go, if he had just kissed or made out with someone something that's not as extreme as going to bed and waking up in somebody else's bed like the action is just too far for me where i just go i get that jamie is eyeing other women and that's been set up in the show already but but then having him sleep with someone it's like okay now you're just making me do a really douchey bad guy at this point of the story i don't think this part is douchey i actually think this is him trying to escape something and i well he says as much in the song right he says like i have he's like i have a private room just for me and she comes in and blows it up right like that's talked about in the song and but that's his perception of her like Mm -hmm. he set her up to be an ideal he's it's a pygmalion moment Mm -hmm. He set her up to be an ideal and she does the same thing to him. Yeah. Pride comes before the fall. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she just handles it differently, but this is his answer. And this is his way of trying to escape something that he doesn't want to be in anymore. Does he do it the right way? No, yeah. but it is insanely human. And- I, I, I don't disagree. It's human. I just go when your show is with two people, and both, and Jason Roper has done a pretty good job of balancing these two and not making either one of them an outright bad person. It's just a people who are, who are young, who are in a failing relationship. And now it's like, okay, now we're going to take them one step too far with Jamie and make him now, act on his impulses. I don't mind this song, mm-hmm. but I do mind the song where uh, a miracle could happen. 
even look at them. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. Except you're sitting there eating your corned beef sandwich, and all of a sudden this pair of breasts walks by and smiles at you, and you're like, that's not fair. And in a perfect world, a miracle would happen, and every other girl would fly away, and it'd be me and Kathy, and nothing else would matter. But it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, I'm happy, and I'm fine, I'm fine. That's my other because right after they get married. That is my notice already. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a dick move. This is the setup. Yeah. So trying to find ways to counter that is Mm -hmm. really not easy. And I this is a song I loathe in the show. If I could cut it, I would. Yep. Because this sets him up to be the bad guy. Yes. Um, and we we automatically side with her. As soon as he utters the words, uh, yeah, pair breasts are moving toward me and I can't do anything about it. You're like, you're a dick. Get out. Yeah. Yep. Get out. You just want to yell at her. Get out. Right? Well, exactly. And, and that's why that's my number two pick. Is because, that, I, is because I go, yeah, that's one gives me whiplash where I go, you literally just had this beautiful connection, 10 more minute moment where he's professing his love, they're freshly married, and all of a sudden now he's lamenting being unable to perform the women. I'm like, we missed a song here. There should have been another song of, I'm bored. I'm bored in my marriage. This isn't fulfilling me. I'm missing, okay, I'm missing that shiksa wet, that, that shiksa girl energy, lustful feelings. I'm now married. It's like kind of like after you get married, right? It's like that, that oh. Okay, well, now this we're committed. This song kind of does that, mm-hmm. but I wish that JRB had offset it where we have a little bit of climbing uphill. I'm climbing uphill, Daddy, climbing uphill. I'm up every morning at six and standing in line with 200 girls who are younger and thinner than me who have already been to the gym yeah and then uh, a bit mm-hmm. of the song and then a bit of climbing yeah. uphill mm-hmm. so we get the monotony because yeah. climbing uphill is such an astounding song mm-hmm. and there was my number four there was your number four my number four because it's that repetitive it's so repetitive yeah. mm-hmm. and if i could make it work i would intercut them because yeah. um, I I don't want to make Jamie just the bad guy. I don't think that's right. Fair. Well, that's exactly it. That's not fair to that's not fair to Jamie. Once just again, these two people yeah. that yeah. came together in lust. Yeah. It's a Romeo and Juliet story for the twenties, right? Yes. And yeah. infinite. You have to try to make them interesting, even though they're a couple in their twenties. Yes. And how the hell do you do that? Yeah. Because it's like. Right. Yes. Thank God there's beautiful music to help along. Yes. But, you know, it is it is a story about people in their 20s and everybody in their 20s should go and see it. And everyone in their teens should go and go, oh, I won't do that in my 20s. I'll just stay single. Maybe date, maybe not date, maybe just have fun, you yeah. know, and figure out who the hell I am in the world. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, I go like, I don't mind Kathy's counterpoint song of When You Come Home to Me. When you come home to me, I'll wear a sweeter smile and hope that for a while you'll stay. When you come home. 
touch my face and banish any trace of gray. Soon a love will rise anew, even greater than the joy I felt just missing you. It's fine. I mean, I like the fact that we get the bluesy piano underplaying Kathy's moment, a song where I'm like, Jamie's there and it's kind of chugging along once again. It's kind of just driving this undertow, which like, I'm fine. And and, 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 and I mean, the whole, like yeah, her getting rejected and coming home. And I mean, it all works thematically. I just go, her counterpoint is it's just, that's that Jamie song gets such a freaking whiplash where I'm like, oh what my God. Like, <laughs> Jeremy, what are you doing to me here? What's he doing? Um, yeah. Why is it there? Yeah. It could be done. It could be done better. If he, yes. if Jeremy looked at it again and spliced mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. in between climbing uphill, like that monotonous, yeah, and and staging it, staging it is fun. Like I have literally eight dresses where she goes, she goes and changes. She comes back, she does the audition. She goes, she changes. She does the audition. She goes. She Love that. So it's a cycle, right? Yeah. Time, time, mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that is, that is really the only song I despise in this show. And I, yeah. I, the other one, I, I'm not, in, I, I can do better than that. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my only two slash three were nobody needs to know a miracle would happen. And, and um, when you come home, that's the only songs where I'm like, meh. Everything when else. Home is, is her audition song, right? Yeah, exactly. So that- well, well, once again, it's kind of boring. It's kind of just there. It's not it as every audition song yes. boring and yeah. monotonous and yes. the same. And th- in that, it's brilliant mm-hmm. because Jason Robert Brown is going, "What kind of song do I hear all the time? I'm going to write my version of that, and it's going to be sung <laughs> over and, and over, over and over again." And she says, "I'm I'm climbing uphill." Um, daddy, which is really weird. I don't know why she says it to daddy. It's yeah. very strange. Um, mm-hmm. There's no daddy present, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she says, I'm standing in line with 200 girls who are younger and thinner than me. Yes, correct. And who've wearing, already gone to the gym. Who've gone to the gym and are wearing yeah. the exact same dress. And I'm standing yeah. in front of men, always men, usually gay, but yeah. they're standing there looking at her crotches, looking at my resume. Yeah. What am I doing? Why did I choose this career? Yeah. And she even says in Climbing Uphill, uh, it's interesting because she foreshadows it. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, I don't want to, I want to, I maybe I'll go to buy a couch with my mom yeah. and stay out of Jamie's hair. What is he going to do when we have kids? And you're like, flag, 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 flag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Final thoughts, Adam. Let's do this. You start. Or or, or do you want me to start? You start. Okay. Well, my first note is, Autumn has stated that the theater is not meant to be therapy. But once you know the backstory of this piece, it's very clearly therapy. And so at first I was like, well, this is just a really well-done post-secondary DT piece, therapizing your divorce and your failed marriage. But then I go, thematically, it's got more stuff going on it's got more relatable stuff it's it's much bigger and i go on top of that it's affordable 
The story is about a failing relationship, which is extremely relatable. So I'm like, yes, of course it's going to be done. Is it my favorite JRB piece? No. Parade will always get that number one slot because I just think it's far more complex musically and story-wise. It's brilliant. Um, But I go, this is a solid follow-up piece to Parade. This is like Jessica Brown going, I did the big mega musical. Now see what I can do and I can find myself to small cast, small orchestra, small story. Um, and he did it really well. And I go, yep. Like, I don't think this ever go to Broadway because it's not meant for Broadway. This piece no. is perfectly meant for the regional theaters, the cabarets, the small intimate spaces. Because the story is intimate. When you take it into a big space, it would totally ruin the story. You wouldn't connect. But having it in a small, small theater out in Huntsville, perfect. Because it's, it's so all going to relate. It's not so small. Oh boy. It is at half capacity. So yes. it makes it smaller. Yeah. It's a, actually a very large theater. Oh boy. Yeah. We're have fun. But I've brought it in. Love it. Yeah. Love um it. I agree. It is it is it could be very well seen as a piece of therapy, but it's therapy that works, right? Yeah. Uh I've seen pieces of therapy where people have started their own. I'm like, stop. Just stop. Please please don't do this to me yeah i i like the way he plays with form oh that's the best part of this is is the the reverse stories here he's he's smart and Mm -hmm. you know if it were true therapy theater and there's a lot of it friends yeah you would go away with feeling like someone had lectured you for a very long time yeah and this piece is beautifully simplistic yeah. So it allows the actors and the director to to play and to keep playing and, and nourishing that. And mm-hmm. um, I have to say, it, it's been really nice to direct something. So a kitchen sink musical, really, really, you know, and mm-hmm. and foster that very naturalistic mm-hmm. that I love. Yes. Without big song and dance numbers. Yes. No fabrics, no boxes. Just two oh, people no, on stage. There is fabric. There is. <laughs> Lynn's going to be so happy to hear that when she comes and sees this autumn. But only, but there's only one, there's only one, one thing. There's only, it happens in the Shmuel song. Yes. I've, I've done something, I hope, very sweet with Jamie and endearing. Mm. because I think he is sweet and I think he is endearing and I think he is a storyteller. So I have accentuated that storytelling. Excellent. That is good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But I think it's be produced. I think it's a beautiful show. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a great piece for people to work on. Like, yes. Yeah. It's a great character piece. Once again, it's a great, character exploration it's it's a great university piece where you just explore i don't know if it is because mm-hmm. you it, you need a, i think you need a little bit of weight a mm. people who can sing the crap out of this thing true i mean it is it is hard music mm-hmm. um, well just our brown never had any easy music i mean look at no. all the wasted time or um this is not over yet like the complexity rhythmic work he does in that is huge but this is this is even more so like the mm-hmm. sing on this is way harder than even parade yeah it's like the 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 
octaves and the rhythm changes and the musical genre changes in this are what's happening, right? It's crazy. It's mind numbing. Uh, the band is like, and I'm like, no, this this needs to go faster. Like it's it's yeah. in the music, and they're like, yeah. okay, it's really going fast. I'm like, no, this is the song time moment. Yeah. You can hear it. This is Patterson. Da 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 da. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's it's fantastic musically, and I think it needs people who have gone through this journey to mm, do. To do. True. Yeah, you need the maturity. Yeah. To reflect, you need you need to have lived through the moment in order to reflect on the moment. That's it. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. And on that note, Adam, let's wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to listen to Mr. Brody Weld's uh, newest album, Locus, found on all musical platforms, including Bandcamp, Apple Music, <laughs> all those places. Uh, Autumn, where can people find and follow you? All the places. Autumn, DM Smith, Littlewood Smith, Timberbeast Productions, and Lesbianist FM. And Autumn, oh, you're running a contest right now on Lesbianist. I am because I'm doing a walk for my local community. Mm. Very exciting. If you if you donate to our team, hundred dollars, we give you um, shout out on our uh, radio show. Love it. You donate two hundred and fifty, you get some swag in a shout out. Ooh. And if you donate five hundred dollars, you get to be a guest. Do I have to donate to be a guest on your show, Autumn? Yes, at this point. <laughs> Turn it, Autumn! It's an expensive venture. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> Chip in with your friends. We can put on a musical. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, remember to follow us on Patreon, where we do all types of extra good content from yes. movie musical commentaries. Maybe we'll do one of the last five years starring Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. Uh, We also do top 10 lists where we could do top hand, top 10 small cast musicals. We, we do all types of fun stuff there. So be sure to check us out on Patreon. Donate a little bit every month. You get a little extra good Autumn Smith, Mackenzie Horner content. Who doesn't want that? Right. Christmas. Exactly. Every day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and you can find follow me at McKenzie Horror on all social media platforms. Follow me at Cup of Hemlock Theater as well, where I do all sorts of fun other antics from artist interviews to theater reviews to roundtable discussions, all types of good stuff. Yes. Be sure to check it all out. On that, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and remember that we are part of it. And we're part of that. yeah, we're a part of that. We'll see you in the next 10 minutes. Yes. See you in in Ohio this summer. Yes. Autumn will play Anita. I will play Corgi. (laughs) Everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye.